Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel live broadcast and podcast today. We are talking to amazing coach and physio Tim Piggott from HP3 Coaching about our mutual successes at the UTS 50K and 100K races. Uh, about 10 days ago now, is it? Nine days? Something like yeah, that? A longer, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, on Saturday. So, um, you did amazingly in the 100k, Tim. Just tell us how, what position you came there. Uh, so, I came 10th in that race, which amazing. was, yeah, it was great. Um, a higher placing than I thought I was going to do, considering the, the field that was on the start line. There was obviously a, a lot of very good athletes. So, I, I was just going to be quite happy with anything in the top 20, to be perfectly honest with you. Wow. That um, was so incredible. It was a good result, yeah. That is incredible. And, yeah, and you did well in yours. Yes, I completed mine. Yay. I came Which, within the top. Everyone. I'm not sure. You yeah. had your doubts. Yeah, I wasn't sure. And I was just thrilled to complete it. And I was even more thrilled when we met each other on the finish line. I've just put a picture so, up here. You, you um, were so generous in, in, in the sense that you timed your race perfectly <laughs> to finish just in time to recover and then catch me as I fell across the finish line. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just <laughs> collapsed in your arms. <laughs> <finished>. <laughs> it 
it was so funny because I had just finished but my cameras all ran out of battery because I just it was such a beautiful day that I just took way too much film um, I, I knew you were going to tell me off about this I just could, probably could have come in an hour earlier if I hadn't been filming so much and then um, I went back for a photo once my phone had charged up and um, and this really sweaty man came running over the finish line and like grabbed me in a hug and went Claire ah yeah, <laughs> and it was and I was like who the hell is this and then it was Tim and I was like ah oh, Tim <laughs> yeah I'd, uh, I'd I'd pushed myself very much to the limit on that last couple of miles and uh, yeah collapsed across the line quite literally so yeah you did amazing <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it was really good. We got a lovely photo together, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really coincidental and good timing. And then we had a good chat, didn't we, and a meal together afterwards in the mm. tent thing. So that was good. Yeah. But it was such amazing weather, wasn't it? I just can't it believe was. that Wales was so amazing. I'm just going to put a picture up of how good it looked. So that's a picture of us going up, not me and Tim, but this is the 50k race going up the Llanberis path there um, and then I saw Snowdon for the first time even though I've been up Snowdon probably about 20 to 50 times in my life and, and I saw it actually as a nice pointy mountain I didn't even know it was pointy um, so those uh, that was just beautiful um, and yeah I just wondered how that meant that your race went Tim because obviously you started off really early in the morning like five mm. o'clock in the morning wasn't it 100k yeah, I did 50k in that weather and I could I crossed that finish line I couldn't go around and have another lap how on earth did you manage in that heat well I think obviously for those who, who followed the race or followed the, the chat afterwards there was a, a very very high DNF rate across all the distances. I think in the the hundred mile race there was about a sixty percent DNF rate. Um, wow. I think in the hundred k it was it was something like a maybe a thirty percent DNF rate. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the numbers are um, for the fifty k. And again, if there are any instances in the twenty five k. But I think obviously the difference between mine and yours was clearly the start time. You know, we started at five a.m. So we were, you know, up and over, well, we were going over Snowden as the sun was starting to come up. Wow. Um, Did you take any pictures? I, I doubt it I at 10th place. <laughs> no, I didn't. And there were what a few a wasted moments. opportunity, Tim. I think you should go back. <laughs> um, I'd taken lots of photos on my recce's. But, yeah, there, <laughs> it was one of those where a few occasions I did sort of pause briefly and just sort of take in the scenery. But, um Yes, a lot of it was just almost head down and just racing. So I, I maybe didn't get my money's worth out of the scenery and the views and everything. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I mean, the heat obviously didn't really kick in for us until we were um, maybe a little bit higher up. So therefore didn't get um, the, the full sort of force of it uh, until maybe a little bit later on. Whereas you guys starting at what was yours about 8 a.m start wasn't it yeah yeah so the first so, climb was okay but then the second climb yeah. was no we climbed Snowden twice yeah and the second so, climb was like uh about one o'clock on the Watkin exactly. path I've just been editing the film so, so I know exactly the time I just put the gradient profile up here so people can see um yeah, yeah the second climb up the Watkin path was at one o'clock and then it was you know how it gets really hot at like three o'clock till four o'clock yes. that was the next climb there's no shade there's no, <laughs> no, shade. There no wind no no, no, um, shade, no wind so you know we were I mean the, I was going up that climb after you lot um, I'm not entirely sure where the 100k leaders would have been. So they were, um, 
leaders were a couple of hours ahead of me. So, you know, they would have been going up at the same time as you. Um, and one of my athletes who, who was much higher up in the field, he didn't actually finish, but he was going up the same time as a lot of the 50K runners were, were really struggling. Um, and in fact, you know, there were two people that, that needed rescuing off, off Snowdon. Wow. Um, in the race, rescuing, or not just the, the race, general yeah. public? Oh, wow, yeah. okay. A couple of people, I think, I just get helicoptered off. Wow. Um, but obviously, by the time that most of the 100K runners were going up that second climb, it was starting to, to cool down. Um, and again, I've been watching some of the, you know, other people doing their own YouTube summaries of the race and, you know, further down through the field. And, you know, they're even putting the jackets on to go up there because it was that bit later on. Okay. So that just sort of shows that, you know, the timing of it is is crucial. And this comes back to a little bit of what we talked about pre-race, which is, you know, knowing where you're likely to be in the course and that time of day. Yes. Then anticipating what you might need to do or what you might need to prepare for. Um, and again, I think this comes back to why maybe a lot of people didn't manage to finish the race is, you know, hadn't realised that, you know, the next section is going to be, you know, two, three hours worth of running before the next aid station and leaving with just two bottles of fluid wasn't going to be enough yeah. at that time of the day. Um, you know, I did the first half of the race until Capo Curie were just my two bottles mm -hmm. between each aid station, and that was fine. You know, I would I would, I would, would drink 500 mil in the aid station, fill up with two bottles, and off I'd go, and that was fine. But then obviously got to Capo Curie at lunchtime, and I knew, okay, now it's going to get a lot warmer. I need to pick up that third bottle. So I was le So then I had three bottles with me leaving every aid station from there. Yeah. And again, that was a planned decision. Yeah. And that's interesting because a lot of people were moaning post-race that the hot weather kit had not been activated, like you hadn't been told to take two litres of kit. And I'm yeah, like, well, you can see the weather forecast too. If you think you pass, I, I got round with a litre. I just took my yeah. litres. I made sure that I drank a whole 500 mils whilst waiting in the toilet queue. Um, and then like I alternated between electrolyte in one side and water in another side. Mm. And I I knew that I'd be okay um but I know what I can deal with and I know how much I need to drink and all that um but I just thought well you could have taken another bottle they didn't say exactly. don't take another bottle they just said you don't have to yeah exactly and but that's again where you need to understand what your your needs and are you know in terms of what is your sweat rate um you know how much fluid do you generally lose in different conditions? And that's something that you need to yeah. learn training. Yes, you can test that and you can go in the lab and you can work it out very accurately. But even just simple, um, you know, one of my old coaches used to get us um, weighing ourselves before and after training just to measure the sweat loss. Yeah. You know, stand on the scales naked before you run, go and run in whatever temperatures, measure how much weight you've lost. And that gives you a a rough indication of what your your sweat rate is yeah. um, so you get an idea of like you know am i somebody who can get away with 500 mils an hour am i somebody that's 750 am i a liter or yeah. you know i've got one of my athletes who we know is more like sort of two liters plus an hour wow uh, yeah so we've got to carry more fluid or be prepared to to fill up yeah. um for 
the water courses along yeah, the way. Yeah, that's another thing that I did on the way down from Snowdon the second time. Yes. I didn't have to, but I just saw this stream and thought I'm going to fill up there. But a lot of people didn't because they were like, oh, I don't want to get ill. Whereas I'm just like, well, I want to get just through the race and I don't care if I get ill because <laughs> I just, is, just don't think I will get ill. <laughs> but I didn't get ill. It's good Snowdonia water. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just hope there's not a dead sheep up the trail. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, OK, there's risks there and you can carry, you know, purification tablets or there's the, the filters, um, you know, again, not supporting any brand in particular. But, you know, I've got a Solomon filter that just screws into the soft flask. Yeah. Um, so you're still using the same soft flask, but you just use a filter on top. Yeah. Um, and that works really well. Um, so, so that's always in, in my kit bag if it is hot weather and I'm expecting to need to, to refill. Um, yeah. And, and you, that do gets your, rid of... you do that trick, don't you? Your wrist trick. Can you tell us about that for cooling down? Yeah. So again, a few people who I was around at the time, I, I, I did pass on this tip because I kept seeing people just obviously splashing water on their head or maybe dunking their cap in cold water and then just putting on their head and carrying on. But all that does is it makes your head feel cold. And if your head feels cold, your brain thinks, oh, I'm not as hot anymore. So it thinks it's cooled off. But actually, you've done nothing to your core temperature. Um, what you need to try and do is cool your core temperature. Um, you need to actually you know, cool the blood. And one good way of doing that is via the forearms. Because in your forearms, you've got two veins and two arteries quite close to the skin. You've got your radial and your ulna. So if you can cool your forearms, you will cool the blood both going to the hands, but more importantly, cooling the blood as it's going back um, from your, your arms back into the body. So getting into a, a stream, splashing water onto your forearms, dunking your forearms into, into cool water. Um, and then I, I set off with arm warmers on. So, you know, the sleeves that you pull up and then obviously pull those down. So they're almost like buffs around your wrist. So then soak those in cold water and obviously is, you know, pull them up a little bit over the forearm. So then as that water is evaporating, it's drawing more heat away from your arms, again, helping to cool you down. Yeah, that's so, a yes, You feel nice if you splash water on your face and on your head and everything there. But to actually make a difference, you need to cool your, your body. And that's just a really simple way of doing it. Yeah, that's an awesome way of doing it. And yeah, I did that a couple of times in streams that I crossed mm. as well. It's definitely worth spending a bit of time, even if the stream's like a little bit over there, just go and do it and then yep. come back again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Taking that extra 30 seconds makes the difference between finishing and not finishing. Yeah. I mean, you said at the beginning, I had a good race and I finished 10th. Yes, I did. I was at least an hour and a half slower than I was anticipating to do mm -hmm. because I had to slow down. I couldn't run at the pace that I'd, I, I had intended to because of the conditions. Yeah. Um, but because I made the decision, look, okay, let's just slow down. I'm not going to have a fast day today. Okay, fair enough. Let's just get this thing finished, get the running stones, job done. Okay. And then it turned out that actually, because everyone else was not finishing because they'd gone hard, yeah. I ended up with a higher performance, higher finish position than uh, – than I, I thought I was going to do. Yeah, that's so good. It's, and it's so true, isn't it? Like, just race your own race and you don't know what anyone else is going to do. Yeah, it's fantastic. And and how yeah. did you find the eating in that heat? Um, did you Were you able to keep putting the fuel in and what did you take with you? Yeah, so obviously pushing it maybe slightly higher intensity than obviously 
maybe people in the middle of the pack or back of the pack might be doing. You know, I did that on, you know, essentially liquid only. Um, so I used um, some, you know, Morton um, powder in my, in my bottles. So I had Morton in my bottles at the start and then filled and then picked up a, another two Morton bottles at the halfway point. Um, I had the precision fuel and hydration gels. Um, so again, you got big hitter of calories in, in them. Um, and then just for that little bit of more real food, um, I used the supernatural fuel pouches. So I had a couple of those. Uh, and again, I kind of schedule those for roughly normal-ish meal times. Okay. So I had one of those at around that lunchtime and then another one around that sort of tea time. Because um, on gels, when you go for that long, yes, you've got energy, but you just sometimes start to feel a little bit hungry because yeah. your stomach has something to do. Um, so, so yeah, so I used a couple of those pouches as well. Um, and then at the aid stations, I, I think I grabbed maybe a, a couple of, you know, quarters of orange. Um, and I think maybe I had one half of a banana. Yeah. Um, and that was about it, really, in yeah. terms of food. You didn't go for any of the, like, there were sandwiches and soup, wasn't there? Know, there? Yeah. And there was crisps. Yeah. There was, like, those knack little bar things That's and right. waffles at some point as well. Yeah. Towards the yeah. end, yeah. Um, you didn't go I really don't think it's worth out of my entry fees when it comes to aid stations. <laughs> you should just get it, it like, and put it in your drop bag. Just, I know. <laughs> just, like, no. just, well, I'll uh, just take these. <laughs> I know. So I've, I've just learned that I am I know what works for me, so I'm better to be self-sufficient. Um, you know, I've, I've had issues with sort of GI distress in, in races in the past, so it's just a case of stick with what you know works um, and not risk anything going wrong. Yeah. Uh, I know we said that was maybe a conversation we might have again later yeah. on to go into race nutrition in a bit yeah. more detail we'll do a proper race nutrition so. chat but that is a really good tip is to be pretty much self-sufficient because what if yeah. you got i was just worried that i'd get to the checkpoint last and there'd be no food left that was my main worry so i took like four, yeah. four slices of pizza with me on mine mm -hmm. and those and i found two gels just dropped on the floor a precision hydration one um, and another one that i can't remember i wasn't familiar with that one um and actually i found a third gel but i managed to relocate that with its owner um Right. Um, but yeah, there was no one around when I found the second two gels, so I couldn't, I couldn't give them to anyone. And I also yeah. found two of those little cups, you know, the, the cups oh, yes. that we had to carry, which I only used once, and I didn't really need to use it. So, mm. <laughs> uh, but I've got three now, so that's nice. <laughs> but yeah. Oh well, well done for picking up the litter. Yeah. So I, I made a profit from the race. <laughs> two cups, two gels, and I ate lots of food. <laughs> That's, well, there you go. So again, you got your money's worth, which yeah. is great. <laughs> I did. Um, so that was your food. Um, I've got a, a couple more questions about your race before I tell everybody about the genius, yeah. which was this, um, <laughs> based on your advice. Um, so, so yeah, what was I want? I want to know what your lowest point was on the race, and I also want to know your highest point on the race as well. Well, I know the highest point was coming across the finish line and and seeing me there coincidentally at the same time. But what was your best? <laughs> What was your what was your let's start with the lowest point so that we can end on a bit of a high <laughs> lowest point um so i had a bit of a low point after checkpoint two so ogham valley um i'd taken a fall um just well coming down devil's kitchen so a kind of quite a steep technical yeah. climb down uh, and I, although I'd, I'd wrecked it a couple of times and I knew where the path was supposed to go, I still managed to go slightly off off track um, and then realised where I was supposed to be going and tried to down climb to that section. 
um, but ended up then slipping and I, I caught myself and saved but sort of bashed my hand and my thumb and uh, it's a, my thumb's a bit arthritic anyway um, and I, kind of, I think I just banged exactly where the kind of arthritic bit is uh, so that was then really really painful so I'm struggling to kind of use my pole struggling to use my hand to to get stuff out and it was that case of I can't, I can't DNF a race because I've injured my thumb in a running. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. Is, but, that, you know, is that, um, is that arthritic thumb? Is that from your car accident, or is no, it just an just arthritic from, thumb? Okay, yeah, for, for anyone who doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So that's a different thing. But for anyone who doesn't know, Tim's especially amazing because um, a few years ago he was in a really bad car accident that left him possibly not able to ever like run again or walk again. So um, you've got a lot of metal in you, haven't you, Tim? And it's just you're just like being—it's amazing. Like you're defying all expectations of the doctors. Um, I, so this, I, is I, this is even true. more amazing that you can do all these things. It's a real inspiration to all of us. But yeah, that's just. That's just an aside, and the yeah. the arthritis isn't anything to do with that. Okay, so that's no, that's thing. just I'm getting old, and I, I use my hands <laughs> You're not too old. much. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was I sort of left that um, aid station, and I think at that point I was probably high thirties, low forties in terms of positioning. Um, you know, the heat was starting to pick up. Not not feeling, you know, superb in terms of where I was in the race and how it was all going. Um, and I sort of bumped into Steve Ashworth, the photographer, was was coming down um, the other way. I sort of bumped into him and kind of said, oh, I'm having a bad day. And well, sort of a bit of a moan um, and sort of kept trudging on. And um, bless him, Steve then text um, one of the other guys on the, on the, the Scarpa team um, who, who then sort of relayed the message that actually I was doing all right. I think I was up in top 20 at that point. Wow. Uh, taken a whole bunch of people um probably just at the aid stations they'd stopped for longer than i had um so so yeah so then sort of fed back that i was i was doing okay but yeah just that sort of low point you, you know you're a couple of hours in yeah you're realizing that you've got you know a, really Still a long way to go yeah things are hurting already and it's just like um but that's ultra running you're gonna have low points um and it's just knowing that you've got to just keep pushing on through that low point because it's an ultra marathon you you're more than likely going to have more than one low point you're probably going to have several yeah um people say it's like a year in your life isn't it sometimes well that's 100 miles but we can apply it to 100k as well exactly so you know it's just knowing that yes you might be in a low time but just keep digging in keep pushing and you will come out the other side again and um i mean might want to talk about that even in a in another chat about sort of yeah you know how to reasons to get an effort. um you know when when should you and when should you not yeah uh, but i think yeah those i was having that thoughts there about you know should i really be carrying on this is a bit silly yeah. um but it was a case of well yes i will carry on and you just kind of let that thought come and then you let the thought go again um and not worry about the fact you're having those thoughts because yeah. it's not part of it so yes we all have those low points um you know even those at the, the front of the field and you know much much further ahead than where i was yeah. you know you listen to some race debriefs of um those at the very front of the field and they had their, their low points as well and challenging points um but high points um a couple of things that sort of stand out is actually that very first is you're going up the Lamberis path and you go under the the railway yeah and suddenly everything sort of opens up yeah um, 
and the sun was just coming up at that point. So oh, there was that wow. little bit of kind of misty cloud lower down in the valleys, golden sun coming up. That was a that was a beautiful sunrise. Yeah. Uh, so I did sort of take that sort of couple of seconds just to actually lift my head up and and take it all in. Um, other low, uh, other sort of high points. Um, <sighs> yeah, finishing. Um, <laughs> It was when I was probably then doing the the last climb up Mol Molelio or however you pronounce. I'm probably butchering I the Welsh. I think it's Molelio. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pronunciation. I think I think, I think I'm with my pronunciation. Apologies if it's not right. Um, but I then had that sort of final wind. I was then sort of onto my caffeine gel. So the caffeine was kicking in, realizing that I was actually making up place. I was taking overtaking people as Amazing. they were then struggling. Um, and then yeah, sort of caught up a few people. I've been sort of leapfrogging uh, a few people throughout really most of the most of the race, um, and yeah, realised I was then sort of doing quite well, overtaking, dropping them, um, and then had a really strong finish down that that last track. Yeah, it was really vulnerable, uh, sort of wasn't track. it? That last four miles. Yeah. yeah. So then sort of started running with one of the guys, and we were running really well together, uh, and then he just said, "Like, I can't keep this up. I'm going to wait for my mate." Uh, so he dropped off and then I just absolutely hammered it and then caught up a few more people. Wow, you uh, did. You seemed like you absolutely hammered it. Like when you came over that finish line, you had absolutely nothing left. It's like you had sprint finished that whole four miles. It was absolutely much. incredible. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I I can push myself very much to that limit in that, that sort of finishing section. It always makes you wonder, could you have pushed harder earlier in the race? But anyway. Oh, yeah, but you don't know if you would have then, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure somebody so, yeah. said that I should. So that was, that was put... a nice to finish. Yeah, that was really nice to finish. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that you said to me that um, so wasn't it one of your people that you coached said, "Oh, you don't look like you've run anywhere at all. You look really fresh. <laughs> you should have run faster." <laughs> I was like, oh, I honestly couldn't have run any faster. <laughs> yeah. um, but we've got a question um, from Tony on the live chat here um, about the aid stations, which you were just talking yeah. about, and he said he always feels the pressure to get moving really quickly at each aid station. Um, as a beginner, would you advise taking a bit more time? really depends what you need um people can waste a lot of time in aid stations um, um you and i talked about this on some of our, our previous chats about um you know particularly if you are at the very back of the field or if you're you know you're chasing time cutoffs mm. uh, you've really got to be efficient at aid stations so you may need to then sort of pause and make sure that you get enough in terms of food and drink. But you don't want to be then staying there for too long because that's when your body then goes, oh, I finished my run for the day, and it starts to sort of go into recovery mode. Um, you know, I would say that for the majority of the time, you don't want to sit down if you can. You want to just keep moving. Um, approach that aid station with a plan in your mind. You know, what do I need? I need to refill my bottles. I want to go and look for some, I need some salty food. I'm going to go and see what they've got. If they've got some crisps or some nuts I can grab. Um, or, yes, I need something a bit more solid. Um, I really fancy X, Y, Z. And then you go in there and you're looking for that mm -hmm. rather than approaching the A station going, oh, I wonder what they've got. Oh, I wonder what I fancy. And then before you know it, an extra sort of two, three minutes has gone by. Um, and, of course, the other thing is, you know, even in those temperatures, if you stop for too long, you then start to cool off and you can then start to get cold, which then makes it hard to, to get going again. 
Yeah. Yeah. So again, yes, even as a beginner, you don't want to be spending too long in in an aid station before you then head out again, because otherwise, when you do head out again, you kind of feel a bit rubbish. Your legs are a bit heavy because you've stopped and all the blood started to pool in your legs. Um, so even even beginners, I would say you want to be going in there, have a plan, know what you want to be getting out of that aid station, get it, and then get out again. Yeah. Don't be sort of hanging around. Yeah. Uh, and if it is grabbing some food, grab some food and then walk out of the aid station eating as you walk along um, because then you could be getting another half a mile down the road. Then you finish your food, walk on a bit more, let things settle, and then you get back into your run again and you find you're now, you know, mile and a half two miles down the road versus staying in the a station eating your food in the a station staying a bit longer having another drink and then starting to walk out again yeah yeah so do all those things and and i also find like it's quite easy to get chatting in aid stations and and time sort of ticks away very quickly and you've just literally chatted to that person and this person um so yeah so try to not chat to too many people (laughs) which is quite difficult for me You know, often aid stations are at a, at a place where you're needing them. Mm. You know, you've you've just done a really hard section. Um, you need a refill. You need a refuel. Um, and you can often be approaching those aid stations feeling maybe a little bit low and a, and a bit depleted. And then if you get to the aid station, you start chatting to people and they're pulling out of the race and they're saying about how rubbish they're feeling. And you go, well, yeah, I'm feeling rubbish as well. And, oh. yeah. and that's when negativity starts to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, we might talk about this in a bit more detail, but you know, I've got a rule there that you never DNF in an aid station. Ah, okay. I'm going to write that down. Um, even if you're approaching that aid station, just going, do you know what? I think my race is over. Yeah. Okay, fine. But refill as if you're going out again. Get your stuff. Walk out the aid station. You get 20 meters down the road, and then you go, yeah. I'm not carrying on, turn around, go back, fine. Okay. You get half a mile down the road and then you realise, actually, yeah, that was the wrong thing to do. Fine, pull out, Yeah. go back again. But don't arrive at the aid station and go, that's it, my race is over. Yeah, because you might just need a little yeah. sit down and some sweet food. Yeah. yeah, and a cup of tea and a bit of a pat on the back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then push out again. And um, and you might find, actually, you get half, half a mile down the road and go, no, actually, actually, I'm feeling a lot better now. I've had something to eat, I've had something yeah. to drink. Um, yeah and a chat yeah yeah that's Uh, really good advice yeah you might need to spend quite a bit of time there I mean I did a a race out in the Alps with a uh, a good friend of mine and you know we got to an aid station and he he was in a bad way Um, but he literally just lay down at the aid station for an hour yeah cooled himself off sorted himself out had something to eat and drink felt better carried on with the race and finished yeah amazing so, if, so you, if you've got time, then if you've got time, you can take stop. The, don't make the decision early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And right. the, the, the best thing, and the reason that you'll know if you have time or not, is that you have to do one of these. This is my new favourite thing in the world, and this is because of Tim that I do this. So I basically that I've put up on the screen. Um, Basically, for anyone who's listening on the podcast, I'm holding up the gradient profile of the race, which shows the hills and the steepness of the hills and where the aid stations are and the the distance. And I actually went through and I wrote down what time I needed to be at the top of every mountain and what time I needed to be at the bottom of every mountain. And Tim's got the same. He's done the same thing. Yeah. 
So this, actually, I have never done this in my life before. I've never, I've never been chasing cutoffs in a race. Apart from the Cape Wrath Ultra, that was a completely different thing. But I've never been chasing the cutoffs in a day race before. But now that I'm older, less fit, you know, like had a baby, blah, 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 just coming back into it, and I DNF'd an ultra just from not paying attention to when I needed to be where and this was saved my life on race day because I knew if I could stay in that checkpoint for 15 minutes to sort my feet out and I knew if I needed to get pushing down the hill or if I could take it easy so just having this was just brilliant Tim I just thank you so much because I think this is the reason that I finished that ultra because I made this plan and pretty much I stuck to it. I was like half an hour up on time when I got to the top of Snowdon. And because it was such a nice day, I knew I was half an hour ahead or even an hour ahead, I think I might have been. So I actually stopped and took some pictures and I was like, right, I know I'm okay to do this because I've, I'm an hour up. And then when I got the second time, I was quarter of an hour past the time that I had agreed that I'd be there. So I got a move on, got a shifty on getting down and it worked. And I was telling other people around me, oh, don't worry, if we if we get a move on, we can still make the cutoff. Um, like we've got half an hour left, let's go. And that was really, really, um, really useful for me, just feeling confident. And yes. at quite a lot of points, I've just been editing the film of the race and at quite a lot of points, I've just saying to the camera, I feel like really zen, like not like ecstatic and not like really low, but just like really contented and satisfied and like strong and zen like it was it was really good um yeah and I think my high point was getting to Snowdon that first time um because it was such a, a beautiful view and I don't think I've ever seen Snowdon looking like that before and it was such um it's it was so good to be able to get there about an hour before um I thought I was going to be there um so I had a lot of time to play with um, and that was really good. But then my low point came going up the last hill up Mole Elio. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't really a low point. It was more, I was just really, really knackered. And I yeah. don't know if I uh, should have stopped in the aid station because I just didn't, I didn't stop. I grabbed some crisps and then just did what you said and, and walked through. Whereas the other two aid station, I'd had to stop for about 20 minutes in each one to sort my feet out because I had a blisters on the arch. So mm -hmm. twice I stopped for that. So I could save a lot of time if I can sort my shoes out between now and the Lakeland 50. But the um, I didn't have any more tape. So I was like, right, well, I can't do my shoes. So I'll just grab some food. I, I had loads of food still in my bag just in case there was no food at the aid stations. So I was like, all right, I just need to eat all the food in this bag on the on the final ascent. But I don't know if not stopping there meant that I just was on a real go slow. I just didn't have any energy. Um, I ate a Morton gel. I, I did like all the food. I was eating constantly throughout. So I wasn't hungry, but I was just getting tired at that point, I think, because it was the last climb. Mm -hmm. But then I ran the last four miles, which I was really, like, really um, impressed with. <laughs> so, and yeah. it was, that last bit was hard, wasn't it? Because there was, I didn't really notice on the gradient profile, but you can see a few lumps uh, after the main climb. There's a that's few it. more climbs. And I was like, yeah, it, yeah, I was like to the GoPro, we've done the final climb. And I was like, oh, there's yeah. another one. Oh, there, and there's another one. And, uh, and another when one. are we safe to say this is the last yeah. climb? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said it's a cheeky one, isn't it? You you think you're there? Yeah, it's like, a sting oh, in the tail. <laughs> steep descent down, bit of a kick up again. Yeah. Oh, a bit more of a climb, get the poles out again. 
drop down again. Oh, no. And again, another one. Yeah, there was about four little climbs, but they were over quite quickly. So it, was, it wasn't too bad. And if anything, at that stage in the race, if you'd have just been going down for like six miles, it would have been quite tough on the legs and stuff. Whereas it was a change of muscles each time doing those little dips and ups. So maybe it was all right. <laughs> so. Yeah. But that was that was hard, that last climb. But I don't know if I should have stayed longer in that aid station. I don't know who was around me to tell if that was a good decision mm -hmm. or not. But I made it um, an hour before the cutoff. I got in at 12.57. So mm -hmm. I was really, really pleased with that. Very good. But mostly I was pleased about this. I'm going to do this for every race now. Absolutely. Yeah, um, no. This gradient too. profile with the timings on. Yeah, and I even put what food I might eat, like just ideas of what food, and yes. that informed me as to how much I should take because sometimes I just massively overpack or underpack, and yes. that was really helpful. Yeah, I say you know a lot of the you know the big races might have even more aid stations than you know we had at UTS because of the the nature of the terrain. You know they just couldn't get any more aid stations in um, than than what they did do. Yeah, but there are you know other races where you might have an aid station every ten k. Mm. Um, and you think, oh, you know, I can do 10k in, you know, an app, you know, might be an hour, um, or you know, an hour and a half in, you know, really hilly type terrain. But then it's appreciating what that elevation profile is like. So again, I mean, with your background, you'll be well aware of this. But using something like Naismith's rule to then work out, well, okay, with that amount of elevation gain and that kind of distance, that's actually going to that 10k is actually going to feel more like 20k. Uh, or even 25k yeah right. so how long would it normally take me to run 20 or 25k right so that's the amount of fluid and, and gels or nutrition i'm going to need to carry between this aid station and that one but then that next 10k is actually next downhill so actually i'm going to do that in yeah. you know 20 an minutes hour or so. <laughs> actually i don't need to carry quite so much between that one and that one so it is just all about that planning and preparation. And, you know, the more you yeah. do with that, the better. Yeah. And I found yeah. that I wasn't I wasn't using the pace on my watch. I started looking, glancing at the pace when I was going up Snowdon. And I was like trying to keep it under 24 minute miles because like that was, you know, like just under three minute, three miles an hour. Um, and then I just realized, no, I just had to do on timings. Mm -hmm. Like that was the only thing that was going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah just looking at just hot. And, and time is really all I look at. Yeah. Yeah. Do you look at your heart rate? Do you? Did you say you? Yeah. So did you? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And what are you looking at there when you look for your heart rate? Because I was looking at mine and I was like, oh, it's gone to 160. Oh, maybe I should back off a bit. Do you have a certain heart rate where you're like, oh, ease yeah, off? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And is yeah. that different for everybody, or is there a ballpark figure that you can advise? Yeah, it's very individual. So it's knowing what your sort of your aerobic limit is and, yeah. and not pushing above well certainly not pushing into that that threshold zone yeah uh, so you've got to be making sure you're staying in that nice aerobic uh, zone two or zone one depending on which model you're using um so that that real kind of what we call first ventilatory threshold or that first aerobic zone um you might allow yourself to push a bit harder on some of the climbs but you've got to appreciate you can only do that so many times in a race before you then burn all your matches, as we say. Yeah. So, yeah, keep aerobic, not pushing too hard. Um, so if that means, you know, taking a little pause every so often, let the heart rate come back down again. Yeah, yeah. great. And chatting is uh, a good one for that. So if you can chat to people yeah, or to a GoPro. If you're chatting <laughs> away, 
if you if you're able to chat to somebody able to talk in full sentences you know you're not working too hard ah maybe i was working a bit too hard on some of the climbs then because like on the second ascent up the Watkin path i was trying to explain how i was taking two currents you know those um antioxidant anti-inflammatory things because i thought well i've just did a little experiment as to whether they would help with my doms um so i took some at one o'clock when i was halfway up the Watkin path and um i was like i'm just gonna take some currents but then there was a load of cues up the Watkin path so then I got a nice rest so I'm in two minds about that that I've written down three things which slow me down which I could possibly um they're easy wins the first is my shoes because that took me like 15-20 minutes at two aid points so that could have been a whole half hour maybe even more that I could save there with having good shoes that didn't rub um then um the filming obviously the second bit which does take energy i don't stop so much but it is like the faff of getting it out and it slows you down i think so i'm thinking on the 50 i need to be more strict with myself and not film it'll help if it's not as nice a day this was just an amazing day so I'm, it's taking me like yeah. a week to get through the footage <laughs> yes so i could film less but it is my job so i do have to film some and um, well there's the challenge there isn't it that you know you're there to make, to make a, film a film as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm never going to get like a PB um, <laughs> because I'm just going to be stopping. But I don't really, I'm past the stage of PBs particularly. I'm, I want to be out there to get a souvenir of the film and I want to enjoy it. And my main goal is to enjoy myself. And that's why when uh-huh. someone said I should have run faster because I didn't look like I'd, you know, killed myself out there. I was like, well, that was my aim. <laughs> I don't want to. I got my money's worth being out for most of the time on the course. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's my aim. And then the third thing, which I don't know, it might be different on the Lakeland 50, but it was queuing. But I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. um, Because, um, oh, we've got a question about this live, actually. We've got Martin Weston's question. He says, how fast is too fast at the start? I was slow up the first climb. So presumably, yeah, he was doing the 50k. Um, yeah, he was doing the 50k, same race as me. He says he was slow at the first climb, so that's up the Lamberis path up Snowdon, got stuck in traffic on the first descent, which was the pig track, and the second climb, which was the Watkin path, which happened to me as well. Yeah. And then he felt great during the last 10k, but wished he'd run quicker at the start. Uh, congratulations, Martin, for yeah. completing the race. I know how tough it was. But I found that exactly too. I was queuing, because I can descend very confidently, and yeah. I can scramble confidently as well. And that's what was holding a few people up on the pig track and um, just sheer volume of people and there was walkers coming up as well so and just poor walkers hordes yeah. upon hordes of runners coming down and up and it must have ruined their day um they were all very kind and waited for us um but yeah the second climb especially i was held up by by people but then was that actually a good thing because it slowed me down and it paced me more i don't know like whether whether I don't, i'll never know will i if it was good or not it's a, it's a very tricky one. Um, you know, the question is there, did I go too, too slow at the start? Um, usually people will then say, oh, I went too hard at the start and obviously then slow down. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to go too slowly at the start. I mean, the, the fact that he felt he had a, you know, or you, because you saw your listening life, you know, felt like you had a... Um, you know, a strong finish is, is really what we're looking for. And again, you know, I had a, a strong finish. Yeah. Um, I would say I probably went maybe a little bit too hard on the first climb. I, I basically hit my 
my time target. I think it might have been a minute or so faster than my, my target for, for going up Snowdon. But um, I probably felt I was maybe working a little bit too hard, um, but managed to finish strongly as well. So it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. In terms of you know going too slowly and then um, getting, getting caught in the compliments. Yeah. You never know who's going to be where, yeah, though, do you? You don't know where they're going to be stuck. Yeah, well, pacing the race overall, you ideally want an even effort. Um, now, to get an, a perfectly even effort is very, very hard to do. Most people will fade. Um, even the leaders will fade. But the difference between the, the front runners and middle pack and back of the pack is the front runners won't fade as much in terms of a percentage of their, their initial pace. Um, and interestingly, they won't fade as much, particularly on the downhills. But again, that's another thing to talk about. Um, but we've got the added question here about bottlenecks and the trail. Yeah. So this is where tactics might have to come into play. And you might say, well, actually, because I know that I'm going to be better and faster in maybe this technical section, and I don't want to get stuck in a, in a bottleneck, I am going to gamble. I am going to maybe go a little bit harder in this early section to make sure that I don't get caught in a bottleneck. And the time you save by not standing around as much waiting to go through styles or go down single track or whatever it might be, you'll probably make up in terms of any potential slowdown later on in the race. But that, that's, this is where we need to then think about the tactics of of where you spend your effort over the course of a over the course of an ultramarathon. Um, it's rare that you'll be doing a race, you know, such as this and this duration, where there are maybe those real bottlenecks very early in the race. Um, you know, I think the fifty k, just the sheer number of people doing the fifty k coupled with a start time and therefore then hitting, you know, peak general public traffic on the pig track. It was just a, yeah, yeah, a recipe for disaster. bottlenecks. I'm surprised no one yeah. went shooting off the side, to be honest. I think we all did very well. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, that is something to bear in mind. You know, somebody like yourself, you know you can descend a bit better. Is it worth pushing that little bit harder to be further up the field to then make most of your descending skills. Yeah, potentially. Possibly. If I hadn't been making yeah. the film, then yes. Yeah. So maybe for Martin, that would be a good solution um, to not hold yeah. back so consciously at the start, maybe. Um, yeah, because I find that like... I'm you're not... doing your home yeah. beforehand. You yeah. know what the course is. You know where the potential bottlenecks are. Um, and then you know, you know what you need to do to, to try and address that. Yeah. Um, next, yeah. next year, Martin. Next year, he said, "I guess I had the best problem." <laughs> yeah. You do feel good though, don't you, when you're overtaking people both down and uphill? It is quite nice. Well, that's it. I mean, <laughs> mentally, you know, if you get held up at the start, and you know, you know, you're not maybe competing for you know, top of the field podium or anything, then 
you know, taking that start you know, maybe easier than you would have done normally just means that the second part of the race where you are overtaking everybody mentally, you just feel so much better because you're going strong and everyone else is struggling. Yeah, so, so yeah. don't worry about it. But maybe if you want to like do a PB 50k, maybe the UTS isn't the best race for that unless you're going to be right at the start. <laughs> unless you're Tom Evans, like that's not going to be a yeah. PB race. And even he probably had to bounce around some tourists, didn't he? Absolutely. I would have yeah. liked to see him go past. Hopefully there'll be a film of him. Um, and Tony Reeves, um, who also films his runs, he says, it's very hard to film when you're running at your normal pace. You naturally slow down to concentrate on the camera, yes. what you're saying, and also not try not to stack it, which I have done a couple of times in the bloopers. So, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with myself not for falling over on the race. Um, that's also always a bonus. But, yeah, so, yeah, I am, I am slow because of shoes, queuing and filming but so yeah i'll take that yeah, I mean, <laughs> i'll take that win <laughs> that makes an instagram post that i put up the other day actually regarding um having to think while you're running oh so i like a that thing. it means that it's like less to it's like easier for me i like to think because it means that i'm not just thinking oh it's, this is hard work if i like to have the camera stuff to think about is that's why i like orienteering because i like to do something else you. whilst i'm running yeah it distracts you yeah but you will run slow yeah, um, I like that. <laughs> so any, any form of sort of mental activity will slow your running pace down. So you have uh, to think in terms of, you know, what am I saying to camera or, mm. you know, looking at the camera and not looking where you're going. Yeah, you're going to fall over every now and again. Um, but, yeah, you are going to run slower. Um, so but that's just the compromise you're making, isn't it? That, you know, you're there to make a film. Yeah. You're not there to win the race. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, there was a guy staying in our media house, actually, um, Mathieu de la Peche. He has a YouTube channel um, and he he's an elite athlete. He came second after Tom Evans on the 50K and mm. he actually got a guy, Louis, to come along and film him. He didn't film yeah. at all. He just ran yeah. the race um, and he, you know, they were discussing beforehand, like where Louis should be. And he was driving the car around to film him at various different points. So that's if I get really pro, that's that I'll hire someone. Maybe I'll hire you, Tim, to film me on the way back. Well, you can film me more likely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I could film you. That would be much more fun for me. <laughs> and not running. <laughs> um so Ta um Tadeusz Cantwell has a, a a little question. He says he noticed he was going into zone three, going downhill on his weekend run, so he dialed it back. Was that the right thing to do? Um, yeah, quite possibly. If you're, you know, working that little bit too hard, um, even on, on the downhills there, but it might be more trying to work on your technique so that you can actually relax um, on those downhills. So it might be that actually you're trying to, you know, slow yourself down, you know, using the quads a bit too much, maybe tensing up a little bit too much on the downhills. And that might be why you're noticing your heart rate, you know, go up a lot more. So I'd be working on the skill of downhill. So that actually you can, you know, you can relax a lot more. Um, you know, it should be that your heart rate is dropping right down on, on any descents. Um, and because you are able to relax and just let gravity do the work. <coughs> so that's probably yeah. more of a skill. Um, yeah, it's a bit more practice at a leisurely pace and then just speed it up again once, you've, once yeah. you're really familiar and comfortable with that. Yeah. There's various courses, can't you, to go on, like trail running courses and things. That might be a nice idea as well, just to get, you know, picking a line and relaxing and body position and stuff like that and using your arms for balance. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't really do it, but a lot of coaches will have you know, workshops, um, skill workshops, 
Um, so it might be worth kind of looking into various people in your area. Um, like I said, it's, it's not something that I offer, but it's, uh, it's something that a lot of my colleagues do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that could be a good chat for you today. Um, cool. So that is a good chat about the 50K and the 100K. If you're watching this and you did any of those races, then congratulations. If you DNF'd, then next time, better um, next time, lucky, what do you say? <laughs> better luck next time, that's it. Um, <laughs> but the next race for you, Tim, is Lavaredo. Is that 85K or something like that? Uh, 120K. Oh, 120K. Oh, okay. Maybe I mean 85 miles. Do I mean 85 miles? Um. There is a there is an eighty k as well. Oh, okay. Uh, eighty five k. Yeah, um, and that's one month so, from now, yes. As well, and yeah, so that's in thirty days. So it's a yeah. <clears throat> big turnaround for me. From, yeah. From... So have you just since uh, the hundred k? Have you just been recovering, and now are you going to do like a final little two week thing or anything like that? How's it going to go? So was it last week was all focused on recovery, so mostly just sort of spinning my legs on the bike. Okay. Um, I did a, a few little runs, um, but nothing nothing stressful, nothing strenuous. Um, lots of just yoga and massage and just, yeah, sorting the legs out, really. Um, legs were surprisingly quite good after the race, you know. A couple of days where the stairs were interesting, but apart from <laughs> Yes, that, I had two days of, like, I cannot move. Yeah. Finley, I can't carry you yeah. down the stairs. I can barely carry myself down the stairs. <laughs> but, no, otherwise, all good. So, um, yeah, just sort of trying to get a bit of volume in this week. Um, and then, actually, got a family holiday out to, to Spain next week because it's half term. Um, so that'll be a kind of heat adaptation week. Lovely. Uh, and uh, we're, we're staying somewhere with some good trails as well. So I'll be, I'll be getting out and getting some, some um, yeah, hopefully a bit of vert in the legs and uh, a bit of speed. And then, yeah, come back and obviously another another good week of training and then start to taper down again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a really well-placed holiday. Yeah, you've booked your race as well this year. Yeah. And that sounds Should awesome. Help. We'll be following you in a month's yeah. time. Um, and then, um, so I've obviously got... So get ready for the yeah, lakes. Yeah, so I've got just lakes. under 10 weeks to the 50-miler, mm. the Lakeland 50, uh, 28th of July. Um, and it's got about 3,000 metres of ascent or something like that, but over 50 miles, whereas the UTS had 50, 35 miles it was in the end, and it had 3,300 metres. So it's going to be less steep, which is good for me yes. because of my lack of yes. fitness. Um, and so I'm guessing that it will be more runnable and especially the downhills more runnable with less doms potentially who knows i don't know well it's, it, you know it's rolling uh it's, it's later than 50 you know you've got some good climbs in there yeah you know the difference is you're not going to the top of anything you're going over passes and things like that That's yeah. kind of, um, you know there's there's still some rough ground underfoot um but again you know the difference between you know, what the trails were on in Snowdonia was there weren't trails in some of those areas. Um, you know, it really was quite rough. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think sort of a lot of what the ground was like for the 50K is going to be similar underfoot to a lot of the time for the uh, Lakeland 50. Yeah. But like I say, you just won't have the steepness of some of those climbs. Yeah. Um, but That's yeah, great. again, you could have a hot day. You know, I did Lakeland 50. Um, I can't remember which year it was now. Um, and it was a, a very, very hot year. 
Yeah. Um, and I remember struggling in the heat in, in a few occasions. Um, or it could be full-on torrential rain, you know, who knows? Yeah, last uh, year was really rainy, I heard. Yeah, so it could be either. So, who knows? Yeah. But you're prepared for anything, so... Yeah, and just... so I will do this again, for sure, like this gradient yep. profile with all the timings and the food and, and the distances and everything on there. Yes. I will do that again. Um, and then just in terms of, like, weekly training, um, on Sunday I went to Bradgate Park, which is just north of Leicester, and it's like a tiny right. bit of the Peak District that you can, ha okay. you can get a 100-metre climb um, up this hill, which goes gradually and then steep towards the top, and there's actually bits of scrambling, like rocks sticking out, a bit like the Peak District. The paths are rocky and sort of rutted and grassy and mossy and rocky yeah. like the Peak District is. So I went there and I had two and a bit hours there, just, just basically did hill reps up and down. Um, yeah. So I'm planning to do that a few times again. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, just run. I, yeah, I was doing a lot of hiking on the UTS. So I'm kind of thinking maybe I should practice more hiking just with my poles and my pack on. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, should I just do that rather than going for runs? <laughs> like, to sort of build in as much, you know, hiking as possible into life. Um, okay. About before, just, you know, walk into the shops rather than jump in the car. Um you know, sticky pack on at lunchtime, just go for a hike around the block. Or, yes, you know, I'm like going that. for a lunchtime walk with Steve in a minute when we finish the chat, so I'll put a backpack on. Thanks for that. I was so, just going to go as I was, but that's actually a really great plan. I haven't unpacked since UTS, so I'll actually just wear that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, getting used to carrying your pack and even just loading up with extra bottles of water so that your pack is actually heavier when you're going for your lunchtime walk. So when you put it on for running, you go, well, actually, this isn't too bad at yeah, all, is it? This is light, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, I wouldn't be picking any routes for training, which is, you know, really steep. You know, you're not going to be doing any scrambling or anything like that on, on Lakeland 50. Yeah. Um, it's more just, yeah, rough track. And then, you know, there's a lot of very good track and, and even short sections of road that you're going to be on. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, it's fast hiking, quick jogging, fast hiking, quick jogging. Yeah. Um, practicing and i made a list of all the things before i did uts i made a list of all the things that might make me dnf um because of the experiences i've had like on the um the manx mountain marathon and one of them was the shoes and that's why i took the tape with me and i'm so pleased about that because it actually made those shoes really comfy so in the next 10 weeks i need to find a pair of shoes that's going to be perfectly comfy and I, i've honestly i've tested like 30 shoes this last year and i haven't found a comfy one yet so i need to i need to maybe get those scarper ones that you've got so which ones did you use for uts and i'm going to make a note and i'm going to order them in and see if that they see if they work for me um so i use the the new one that's just landed in the uk yeah. um this planet the planet spin planet yes yeah, the one with the, the recycled materials ah. so it's a fully recycled upper and a um oh i'm gonna get the percentage wrong now um <laughs> some percentage of recycled i want to say 60 percent of the the midsole is made of recycled material cool um obviously scarper if i've got the percentage wrong i really should know that <laughs> um, but that's uh you know it's, it's a good cushioned um long distance shoe it's got a nice wide toe box it's Excellent. got a reasonable tread um so for something like um the lakeland 50 trail actually be pretty good choice there actually yeah um, yeah yeah it's just it's it's like i've got 
um, so many shoes that I can test and I'm very lucky so I don't have to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on this because otherwise I'd be absolutely bankrupt but like I've got these the new Saucony Exodus Ultras in and and they're great but I, I got blisters on them just going to Bradgate Park so I just haven't been able since I did my Bob Graham in my Adidas Adizero XT4s like 10 years ago I haven't been able to find a pair of shoes that doesn't give me a blister somewhere so I honestly I did 60 miles of that Bob Graham in those well then it's maybe and, also looking at not just the shoe but do you need to look at the insole and the sock combination yeah maybe uh, it's that but maybe it's looking at why why and where are you blistering so yeah uh, Again, you know, hands up, I'm, I'm supported by them, but SIDAS. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I use their insoles, but they've their sock range yeah. has these uh, bands which interact with the insole oh. and actually stop your foot sliding. Oh, so like particularly on the downhills. Okay. Yeah, it just gives you some extra grip in the shoe. Right. Uh, so they've got a band around the forefoot and a band around the heel, and it just helps stopping, stop your foot sliding around. Sliding around. So it might okay. be just insole to kind of shape around your foot a bit better yeah um but then yes yeah, looking at the looking at your socks and, and what works for you and you know again hold my hands up and say you know sidas support me great um one of my athletes just before the race said oh yeah i've just bought some sidas socks he's like okay but have you tried them and he's like, no he's like okay well, don't <laughs> use them in the race yeah um i know that he used the you know um 100 mile, 1,000 mile socks, whatever they're called, you know, the yeah, twin. 1,000 mile skin, twin skin yeah. socks, yeah. Uh, you know, I know he'd use them in the past. It's like, okay, look, use those for the for the race. And, yeah. Okay. I like the fact you've got a bought Sidas socks, great, but let's try them after the race. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it might be a case of looking at your, you know, yeah. your sock combination. Okay, uh, yeah, because I've been using Bridgedale socks, but because yes. um, I've, I did a sock cull recently, so I've been using the same socks over and over again, so they're running a bit thin now, like the, yeah. they're getting a bit threadbare because I use them so I mean, those Bridgedale socks are brilliant. I mean, that was, mm. uh, was the first time we met, actually, on that, that photo yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've still got those socks from yeah. how many years ago that Me was. Too. Yeah, that they, was just before COVID, so it was, like, coming yeah, up so they, two, three years I, ago. <laughs> and I wear them, you know, for, as my sort of day-to-day -day yes. socks all the time. Um, I'm wearing so, them know, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they last, you know, they last forever. They are, they are a very, very good pair of socks. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's finding what works for you. Yeah. You know, yes, it's the, the Spin Planet shoe, but that's not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I use the Sidas socks and insoles, but again, they're not going to work for everybody. You yeah. need to go and test and, and find out what works for you. But, it, you know, if you're getting blisters, it's not necessarily only the shoe's fault. Mm. Uh, it's obviously the combination of things. The combination. Okay, well, I'll, I'm going to be experimenting with that combination because that that is the real that's the real thing. That's why I DNF'd Kate Rath Ultra, and that's why um, they really hurt on the Manx Mountain Marathon as well. Yeah, and they really. Hurt, I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that book oh, is a is a really good resource. Yeah. Fixing, fixing your feet. Um, so you know, if people are having problems and want to learn about how to kind of tape your feet properly, yeah. things like that. Um, that's a, a good a good resource to have yes and oh we've got um i had i did do a live chat about fixing blisters as well with nikki summers who is on the dragon's mm. back medical team and she actually i saw her at the uts as well so she that was really nice of her to see to give me a big hug at the end and say i'm back <laughs> so um 
So yeah, there's that. And then the other thing that would was holding me back was like knee pain and hip pain after, at the Manx Mountain Marathon. So I think poles really helped. I was mm. taking currens, um, but I did get really bad doms, just as bad as normal for the next couple of days afterwards, even though I took currens. Um, I didn't get bad doms on the race like I did at Manx Mountain Marathon, but I was also using poles. So I think poles really yeah. helped. Um, so I'm not, yeah. I'm definitely using them for the 50, even though some people don't okay. on the 50. No, no, use them, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I might get some lecky poles as well because then you can just swing them mm. about, can't you, with that? Do you have lecky poles? I do, yeah. yeah. They, I, I like them. Yeah. Um, have, have a chat with um, with Simon, the rep, and, um, yeah. yeah, get some, I some can, poles. Yes, I can manoeuvre these things. Yeah, I'll get them, but I don't know how I'm going to screw my GoPro into the top of them. I'll have to gouge out the cork bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll have a look into that. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds great. Thank you for all the training advice and um, good luck in Lavaredo. It's, gonna, it's, not, it's not long now. Uh, well, Should we chat after Lavaredo? Would that be best? We'll, we'll chat again after Lavaredo so that we can hear yes. from you about how it went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. All right, good okay, catch up. thank you so much, Tim. And um, yeah, right. we will talk soon. Good luck in the race. Cheers. Take care. Cool. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.